Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Rainier. Rainier, how's it going, buddy? I am doing awesome. Excellent. I'm also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how goes? Oh, it goes well. I'm doing awesome as well. Good to hear. I'm also joined by Perfirio Rangel. How are you, Perfirio? I'm doing pretty good, Henry. Happy to be here. Excellent. So we got the all-star team here, and we're going to talk about The Batman, recently released in theaters. We're going to get into it, initially not spoilery, and then we're going to get into spoiler territory. The Comic Sauce Podcast is on social media at Comic Sauce Pod on Twitter and Instagram. So yeah, today is March 18th, 2022, and The Batman has been out for a couple weeks now, so we've had time to process, and uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. So I know when this movie came out, there were a lot of questions. You know, there's a new Batman actor here, Robert Pattinson. He didn't appear in any of the Snyderverse movies. He's brand new to the franchise. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of news when uh, he was in the running for the role, when he finally did get the role. A lot of buzz. Uh, so certainly um, there was a lot of anticipation, I think, about uh, how he would do in the role. Right. Um, and I think all of us had a lot of other questions going in. Um, so, yeah, I'm able to just go around the room a little bit. What was going through your mind before seeing this movie? Maybe like just before, like as the lights dimmed what was going through your brain yeah uh how about you Rainier? you want to start with your th initial thoughts yeah initial thoughts of robert pattinson i mean his character is so tied to the twilight series that like i think that was everyone's initial reaction like the, the vampire guy the twilight guy I, I i'm proud to say that like i i called it very early on saying i think he's going to be a great batman uh before even a trailer came out and i think i think he held up his end of the bargain <laughs> i think he did a great job in this movie um and we'll get more into that later <laughs> definitely but i can attest to that i remember pretty early on you had faith in this actor um a lot of people didn't so um you know i i can uh I can attest to that. Yeah, it is funny, though, how everyone has like an initial reaction, like they think they're going to be terrible because they know the actor from previous movies and like the height of the success for whatever reason determines like the actor they're going to be. But like having I mean, he was Cedric in Harry Potter. Right. And he was also great in Tenet. Like he's certainly got the acting chops. And I've seen him in one other like indie film. I can't remember the name of it that comes off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I, he, he, I knew he was going to pull it off. Yeah, maybe we can continue with that a little bit. I I'm curious about everyone's take 
of of uh, Robert Pattinson pre watching the movie. Yeah, how about you, Christian? What what were your thoughts about this actor before you saw the Batman? Hmm. For some reason, with Batman castings, like there's always a lot of controversy. Yeah, like you know, going back to like you know Heath Ledger, like uh, you know when he was first cast as the Joker, everyone you know. I heard it. Heath Ledger, the, the guy from Brokeback Mountain, no way he could play the Joker. And then, you know, that blew everyone's minds. Mm-hmm. Going back further, I've heard when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman back in, you know, the 80s, people wrote letters to WB saying, you can't cast Mr. Mom as Batman. <laughs> yep. And, you know, and so I, I keep hearing these and I keep hearing the controversy and I'm like, okay, just, you know what? Let the movie come out. Just try not to think too much about it. You know, see, like take the movie as it is and take, you know, his take as the character as it is. Um, but like, uh, it, I didn't really see any, any of his movies really with the exception, I guess, Harry Potter up until I saw a good time over covid uh or 2020 i don't know if that was the movie you were thinking of rainier no Good it was time. something it was something that came out shortly after um like the first like twilight movies oh okay yeah. oh, never mind but good time he puts in this really intense performance and great and i think watching that movie was the one that really sold me on this guy can do batman cool so you you had faith as well it sounds like Mm-hmm. Right on. Okay, how about you, Perfrio? What were your thoughts on this actor? Yeah, so like a lot of you guys, I was only familiar with his Twilight work, and so I was like, well, he's already been a, a bat, I guess, once, um, in a sense. So he could do it again. <laughs> Have you seen but, the Twilight movies? <laughs> uh-huh. But um, no, like I didn't bash his uh the casting or anything i was just like this is an interesting choice like you know warner brothers must have like some kind of sense into why they casted him and everything so i was like i'd definitely be like open-minded about like seeing him in this role and everything like you like like i said i wasn't familiar with his work outside of twilight but i just remember hearing a lot of people saying that he he's a really good actor and stuff like that um and i think i wasn't familiar I, I, the first movie I saw him was uh, during the pandemic was um, The Devil Within with Tom Holland also. Or I forgot what the movie yeah, called. Yeah, uh, The Devil All the Time. The Devil All the Time. Yeah, there we go. And he sold me. For, after that movie, I was like, okay, I could definitely, yeah, see this guy as Batman. And, um, but I don't know. Like, there was, I just kind of had faith in the studio. I was like, you know, this is the same studio that had like Keith Ledger as Joker and um, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Like I'm pretty sure they kind of have a sense of what they know, what they want to do. So I was just open-minded and just kind of had faith that Robert would kill it. And um, I think he killed it. Yeah. So um, I'll say more about that later, but yeah. Cool. Well, that's good to hear all you guys had some faith i don't think i really did um i remember um not only the casting announcement but there was a lot of press about like the the short list of actors in the running and i I remember it was down to robert pattinson and nicholas holt 
those were like the two finalists and I'm a big Nicholas Holt fan. So part of it, part of the disappointment for me was that he didn't get the role. Like I wanted to see him in the role. Um, so maybe that's why I was sort of salty on the whole thing. Um, but the other side of it is I think what a, a lot of moviegoers thought, and it was that Robert Pattinson is too synonymous with his character in Twilight. And um, I've never seen a Twilight movie, but, you know, the, I mean, I've seen advertisements and I just when when I thought of Robert Pattinson, I would just imagine that dude's face on all those posters I, I would see all the time over the years. Right. I, I just couldn't escape that, you know, image. So um, I thought that might be something I couldn't get over. Like I, I like I'd be watching this Batman movie, but the whole time in the back of my head was like sparkly vampire, you know, um, so that was my thought going in that um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to uh, kind of enjoy the character as it was, but there was just this baggage along with it, right? The Twilight um, baggage. Yes, exactly. The Twilight <laughs> baggage. I, I would By add the way. to uh, real quick. I would add to the Harry Potter ba baggage shoot because um, I did see him in the Harry Potter movies, and you know. Cedric Diggory is like, you know, he's kind of like the pretty boy wizard. And like, that's, that's not the best, you know, uh, image to have when you're trying to think of the dark Knight, Right. Uh, so there's, there's quite a bit of baggage with this actor. So I, I was a little skeptical going in. So I'll just say that, uh, go ahead. Uh, Rainier. Yeah. I was going to say for you, I've seen the twilight movies and I'm, I'm going back to what I asked you earlier, but have you seen them? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure his character does not turn into a bat, but I think I know what you're saying. Like he's a vampire, right? Like he's a he's, vampire. He's, he's a creature of the night, right? <laughs> he's in the vampire bat shadow family in the in the realm. Um, yeah. No, I know what you're saying, Henry, about like the whole baggage deal. What's What's interesting is, do you remember when we were at Comic Con and they were talking about like it was something about like ante anticipated movie, and they announced like. Um, Ben Affleck as Batman, and there was a, a very audible boo from the crowd. You remember that? It's just interesting yeah. that everyone immediately thought of Daredevil and completely discounted his entire body of work. Like, mm -hmm. he's a legit actor. <laughs> Why is he getting booed playing Batman? <laughs> and I think that's what it's reminding me of when you're thinking, oh man, the Twilight guy playing the Dark Knight? What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, that's like the knee-jerk reaction. You, you, take an actor and you immediately just associate them to their to the role that they're most known for and completely discount all of their other work right so that's not the best thing to do uh and and just following up on that um kind of like Perfurio, i saw the devil all the time also and he is awesome in that movie and that was kind of the glimmer of hope for me i'm like shit oh this guy he might be able to pull this off like i thought I wouldn't be able to get over the fact that he did Twilight and Harry Potter stuff. Um, but I never questioned his ability as an actor um, in that role in particular. I thought, Oh, this guy is, he's got the chops. He, he could do it. Um, so little, little teaser. We'll, we'll get our, our collective takes on how he actually did later. Um, but for now, a little bit more on anticipation uh, I don't think we need to get super deep into 
the other stuff, but uh, here, just a couple random thoughts on my end. Um, I was aware going in of the runtime of this movie, a whopping three hours. That is a long movie. <laughs> uh, so certainly in my mind was, did this movie have to be three hours? Um, yeah. And um, what else? The rating, the rating for this movie is uh, PG-13. And from the trailers, it looked quite dark. And I wondered, is it really PG-13? <laughs> it, it seemed like it was going in some pretty dark territory. Um, and, you know, I do have a, a young child who happens to be pretty into Batman. And I was wondering, is this a movie that uh, I could take him to at some point? So how family friendly is a movie? That was another big question for me going in. Um, how about you guys? Any other thoughts about uh, expectations? What was going on in your mind before the movie started? Um, oh, I got one more thing. I guess this kind of goes back to Robert Pattinson. So there was actually um, a screen test where they like test how the suit looks on camera uh, that leaked. And it's like, it was like an unfinished version of the suit. And it was a very unflattering shot of Robert Pattinson in the suit. I don't know if you guys remember this, this is a few Ooh. years ago. I actually saw this post uh, like premiere. I didn't realize that that leaked either that I think or it I was just, a leak or uh, maybe I just con consciously avoided it because I didn't want to like have it spoil my opinion of what was going to happen. And like it looked pretty bad um, at the time. It was an unfinished suit, but like the meme going around was that uh, it looked like hockey pads. <laughs> Robert Pattinson said that he he screen tested in the um, in the George Clooney Batman suit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He did, really? and like he yeah. also like I think um, was it did his audition. Yeah, it, that or cool. the Val Kilmer one. Like he had his choice of like which one to wear, and that was the one he I think was I think that was the one that fit him best, <laughs> just for yeah. a screen test. The infamous nipple suit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, how about you, Perfirio? Any other thoughts uh, before seeing this movie? Um, I mean, I don't think this is so much of a spoiler, but I just remember like going into the movie like you know there were just obviously a lot of reviews going on from like media outlets and just like i guess like uh like critics alike and it was so funny i just remember seeing like there were like major like mainstream media outlets like cnn sf chronicle who were just kind of saying that like uh the movie was kind of basic monotone and stuff like it wasn't um there wasn't any like real character development you know i think they were mm -hmm. just kind of taking it like as a movie critic cinematographer point of view whatever mm -hmm. but other like media outlets like um ign nerdist all those like they were just like giving really really high praise to this movie and so I was just like, okay, like I kind of trust these outlets more because they're like more of like they know what they're talking about when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know. So um, 
I don't know. I kind of had like mixed feelings. I think it was just because of the three hour thing, like you were pointing out, Henry. Like for when it comes to, like a three hour movie, that's usually I see like you know something like a big finale, like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Marvel. But for like a origin story like Batman, obviously we all know who Batman is, but like that's kind of like risky. I felt like. Um, but yeah, those those were just like my early takes going into the movie. The three hour three hour runtime for me, like if it's a movie I want to see, I feel like I'm just getting I'm getting more bang for my buck. Really, I'm getting more <laughs> movie for for my value. <laughs> it's certainly one way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of oh, go ahead. In terms of expectations, like my my initial expectations were, like I said earlier, that I, I thought Robert Pattinson was going to do a great job as Batman. But um, my, I, I thought that this, I was going into it with the expectation this movie was going to be darker, grittier, heavy, like just really heavy hitting. Um, yeah, that, those were my expectations. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the three hour runtime was a little bit of a concern for me. But to your point, Rainier, if it's something you're enjoying, it's like the more the better in a way. Um, there is a Marvel movie that is three hours and that's Avengers Endgame. And um, that movie to me probably could have been like three and a half, an hour, three and a half hours. I would have still loved it, right? So um, if, it's, if it's three hours and bad, that's a bad thing. But if it's three hours and really good, then not really a bad thing, is it? Yeah, that's a good point. Three hours and bad, that would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I think uh, we can get into it. Let's give the big time spoiler alert um, for the Batman and we'll get right into it. So I think we can start with uh, what did we like? It sounds like we all enjoyed this movie. Um, Let's get into the specifics. What did we like about the Batman? Anyone want to start here? Perfurio, you want to start? Yeah, sure. So, you know, we all talked about it, but Robert Patterson, I, he convinced me as Batman, you know, like he knocked it out of the park. Like it was definitely like, uh, I guess, like a middle finger to all the haters that like he can play Batman. And I, I think I had this conversation with you guys, like with after the movie. I didn't feel like he convinced me as Bruce Wayne because he didn't have like that playboy millionaire swag to him but then i read like later on that that was like a choice that the director and robert patterson made to make him feel like more connected to the atmosphere to gotham and stuff and so to know that that was kind of like a conscious decision it just kind of made me like um uh, i changed my mindset and was like okay well if that's what you're going for then you killed it you know like he killed it both as bruce wayne and batman and uh, just from like the way he talked and he wasn't like a superhero to say he was more like a detective which is what I liked he was like a guy in a costume vigilante and um, yeah from like the opening scene to like <laughs> how he does that that monologue about like oh like when they see my symbol I want them to fear me and stuff like I was like I had goosebumps I was like this is fucking awesome so um, 
he definitely like the very first monologue i was sold like i was like this is batman for sure <laughs> right on yeah let's 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 get right into it let's let's go around the, the room and get everyone's take on the performance uh what were your thoughts on pattinson's uh what pattinson brought to the table here uh christian how about you all right so yeah, I loved him. I thought that uh, Battinson was was great. Um, I think that uh, one thing he nailed down really, really well is I think uh, nonverbal communication. I think he spoke. There's he spoke really nonverbally a lot. There's a lot of the movie that's dedicated to Batman just kind of staring, almost like right into the camera or. Um, there's a great moment like at the beginning when the mayor's son uh, is ki- or the mayor or he's looking at the mayor's son after the mayor has been killed and he just kind of stares at him for a long time and doesn't say anything. But I think you as the viewer uh, get the feel get the connection between the two characters. You know Batman Batman's parents were killed when he was eight and he had to watch and that was a very terrible moment. And a lot of what happens in this first murder is like echoed here. And I think there's like a connection that you see in that, in that just kind of like stare down that they kind of had. And he does that uh, multiple times throughout the movie. Um, Like we've already said the spoiler warning where um, at the very end as well, when one of the Riddler's henchmen says that he is vengeance and Batman just looks at him for a while doesn't say anything but you as the viewer kind of take in and soak in the moment that he kind of knows where he messed up as a superhero Mm -hmm. and how he personally got the idea of batman wrong and what the mantra of vengeance really means for himself and the city and the movie just does so much with so little and i think a lot of that is brought into uh pattinson's performance the way he just brings out the Batman saying so much with so little. Awesome take, man. Um, yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Uh, Perfirio kind of alluded to enjoying him both as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Would you say the same for you also, Christian? Yeah. Um, I've seen this movie twice. And nice. I think the first time I was like, what's going on with this Bruce Wayne? He doesn't seem to change the same way we're used to whenever you see Bruce Wayne versus Batman. But it does feel intentional um, because he says that he doesn't care about his legacy. He doesn't care about being Bruce Wayne when he's talking to Alfred at the beginning of the movie. But you kind of see the problems that it causes throughout Gotham. Him kind of being aloof to the Wayne legacy um, had uh, created like ripples of corruption throughout and how he kind of gets the wrong idea about being Batman. And he also gets the idea of being Bruce Wayne towards the end. So I think we're going to gear more towards the classic representation in the next movie and the movie after. But I thought this was a, it was a different take and I appreciated that. Cool. Okay, how about you, Rainier? What do you think about Battinson? I thought the Batman was awesome. Uh, the tone, the rhythm, 
the feeling, the aesthetic, I thought was all really well done. The, the, the soundtrack and musical score, I thought was very fitting for this movie. For you, I like how you talked about the monologue. Like, I think that opening really set like the stage for what we were expecting. I loved how he was just like, you know, it's not a, it's not a signal, it's a warning. Uh, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because it captures Batman. It's not an origin story, right? It catches Batman like in his sophomore year. Like he has a stride, but it's very early in his stride. And I think that's, that was my takeaway actually of his take on Bruce Wayne. In every Batman movie, we see Bruce Wayne become Batman, right? Like we see him like, you know, creating plans to, you know, protect Gotham as Batman and he's already Bruce Wayne. But in this case, we're seeing Batman kind of throughout the entire film, even outside of the cowl. And I think that's what we're going to see him learn is how to become Bruce Wayne. Um, and I think that's very different from all of the other Batman movies we've seen. Because if you think about it, he's been holding all of this anger and, you know, from his point of origin, um, not really knowing how to navigate the world. So it almost seems natural that he wouldn't know how to be Bruce Wayne. Uh, so I think, I think that's a really cool, you know, perspective on, on Batman. Um, yeah, I thought they did a great job. Um, the, the dark grittiness was great. Uh, you know, Zoe Kravitz, I mean, what an awesome Catwoman she was. Uh, oh, that's the thing too. Like when Batman comes in, he, when they're, when he's asked, who are you? I mean, obviously you would think he would be like a Batman, right? I don't think during the entirety of the film, I don't think he ever calls himself Batman. So again, in his sophomore year, I think he's still trying to figure out who Batman is and what Batman does. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it's going to continue. Nice, nice. Some great takes there, Rainier. I know you're chomping at the bit. You're really <laughs> jumping past the questions here, but love to hear all the, the, the positives uh, you're throwing out there. Um, but yeah, just going back to Pattinson real quick. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm the I'm the ones who was I'm the one skeptic going in right didn't think uh, didn't believe in our boy um, but yeah he won me over man um, I will say this like Renner you mentioned the aesthetic of the movie that kind of set the tone for me because when I was going in I was like okay I'm afraid of all this Robert Pattinson baggage right but immediately like not only did this not feel like anything I've seen Robert Pattinson before. To me, this didn't even feel like a Batman movie. It felt like a serial killer movie, right? It felt like I was watching Silence, Silence of the Lambs or, mm. or Zodiac or Seven or something, right? Like um, a murder documentary? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it felt like straight up like murder vibes, right? So I was immediately transported away from any kind of baggage. And I was kind of like opened up to like, okay, I'm just, I'm ready to take in whatever I'm about to see. And um, so not only was the movie completely like subverting my expectations, but then here comes Robert Pattinson. He's a totally different kind of Batman uh, than from, uh, from what I'm used to, right? He's not the, the growling Christian Bale. He's not the wisecracking Michael Keaton, right? He's, 
he's like, uh, I mean, Christian, you were kind of alluding to this, but he's, he's kind of nonverbal, right? And when he does speak, he's, he kind of speaks in whispers. He's really quiet. And uh, I just found that pretty cool, like a totally different take on this character. And um, yeah, I thought it was cool. I, I, I enjoyed this like completely different take on the character. And uh, yeah, yeah, kudos to the patents that I thought he did a great, great job here. I think they did a great job too of highlighting the detective side of, of Batman. Yeah. Um, how he's constantly analyzing the room. He's analyzing the, you know, everything. And, and, and the way that Robert Pattinson shows that, like, it's, it's awesome. I love that too. Like, you know, Batman first appeared in detective comics, right? And he's known as like the world's greatest detective, right? And um, I think that's, kind of a forgotten thing with with the movies and everything you got going with the big cgi action and everything um but yeah it's kind of a cool like going back to the roots sort of thing um yeah what else sounds like there's a lot of positivity uh we had for this movie any other call outs here you know speaking about going back to the roots like i i actually find there's a lot of i find it refreshing this movie I mean, like if you if you consider like all the superhero movies we've been getting out of the MCU, right? It's gone to a point where there's alternative worlds, there's magic, there's all this crazy stuff. I feel like the Batman is coming back down to like a roots level, like storytelling, not necessarily an origin story, but it's like it's bringing us back down, you know, to earth <laughs> with a very, mm -hmm. very simple, but like really intricate story. Like very like street like, yeah, like street level, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You know, um, you know, we may get into some of the like Marvel comparisons later, but um, you know, you look at what's going on with Marvel and the multiverse and everything, uh, cosmic Marvel, all that stuff. Um, it's getting pretty wild out there, and uh, yeah. You know, pretty refreshing to see something like this that is very grounded in reality. And, um, you know, we don't see superpowers. It's more of a crime slash uh, detective kind of story than a superhero story. So, yeah, that was definitely cool to see. Um, I wanted to call something out, too. We talk about this a lot with superhero movies, uh, how... You can't truly have a great superhero movie if you don't have a great super villain, right? And I thought the Riddler in this movie was fucking amazing. Uh, one of the best ever Batman villains in a movie, I think. Um, and it does go back to what I was talking about before, like the serial killer vibe. The Riddler as a straight up serial killer. And, you know, not a watered down one. You know, the movie is PG-13. But this is not a watered-down serial killer. This is a terrifying murderer. And um, yeah, like the scenes with the Riddler, I thought were among the best in this movie. Um, with the mask on, with the mask off, his scenes with 
the Batman without the Batman. Like I, I was consumed. Like I, every, anytime the, the story started to stray from the Riddler, like I was finding myself wanting to see more. It's like, yeah, let's get back to the Riddler because that stuff is awesome. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Paul Dano was amazing in this role. Um, a, a, another part of this movie that I was like not expecting at all. And I was like pleasantly surprised about how awesome this villain was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree to what your point is, Henry. Like, every time, yeah, like, the Riddler was a character I was always looking forward to. Like, every time they got, like, a message or something, like, oh, Riddler's coming back on screen. Like, you know it's going to be good. Like, he's going to test the Batman and everything. And I like this villain. Um, I kind of like the fact that they chose the Riddler because I feel like they could have easily given this role to joker like as like the madman kind of person of like the mastermind behind this plan of like terrorizing and um uh gotham and hot putting hostages out there um but i kind of like this like cat and mouse game that the riddler laid out for the batman it was definitely had like vibes from the movie seven and um I just feel like if, it, it just makes me feel like any one of like Batman's villains, like Mr. Freeze or Poison Ivy can have like their own like complex villain storyline that goes along with Batman and uh, beyond like the comic book um, campy stuff that like MCU puts out there. Um, but I really, yeah, like, like you said, this was just a really, really good portrayal of the villain and how he just pushes the story and character development. Yeah, and interesting you point out the fact that um, this villain could have been the Joker because it makes you think, oh, is it just like, are they interchangeable? Can you just like swap in the Joker? And like, you know, in some cases you could, but in this movie, uh, the Riddler's riddles were actually a big part of the movie. And that's like, that is uh, a big part of the character and not a part of the Joker character. So I thought it was kind of fun. Like I was like trying to solve these riddles in my brain and stuff <laughs> and like, you know, playing along. That was, that was kind of cool. And um, yeah, very, uh, reminiscent of uh, the zodiac killer who would leave these like ciphers and stuff um so yeah again just yeah awesome uh awesome villain for sure yeah i did really uh, love the riddler as well and like watching the movie a second time you like look a little closer to see oh that's a clue oh that's a clue and i think the way they lead into each one of the riddles is really well um and how there's always like little pieces of the puzzle that you're trying to like figure out as you're watching the movie, but it turns out to be something like way different, like thumb drive and like URL. And there's always like a, like a little bit of like dark humor in there as well. And I thought it's like, but it like Paul Dano puts in like a very, very intense, really well done performance there where he's scary and is menacing, but also you see that like, he's kind of crazy and you see why he belongs in Arkham Asylum. And I think 
his final confrontation with Batman when he's like in jail was like a really, really riveting scene. Yeah. Yeah, that scene is super memorable when Batman kind of loses it because he's like so frustrated, he's like pounding the glass and stuff. Yeah. Great scene. I that scene was that yeah, I left the the movie with that scene still in mind. Yeah. Um because the big question I'm, I'm sure you guys thought about this too was was Riddler basically telling Batman that he knew he was Bruce Wayne? Did he or did he not? Right? Like that was the big question I felt like. Mm-hmm. And it could really go either way. Um however the way you want to interpret it. But he, yeah, he was a great choice for a villain. I feel like you know not not having a villain that's going to necessarily be physical and fight toe to toe with Batman, but fight him on an intellectual level, I thought was really cool. And yeah, like following the breadcrumbs, trying to solve the clues as you're going along. It's like you're you're participating with the yeah. villain, right? <laughs> yeah, very cool. And real quick before we get off the Riddler, um, you know, I I had that thought going into the movie about how family friendly is this movie? Um, I think I got my answer a few minutes right into the movie. The very beginning of the movie, we see this family. There's a dad saying goodbye to his uh, wife and child. They're going off to go trick-or-treating on Halloween, having a nice little family moment. And the next thing you see is this shadowy figure. Turns out it's the Riddler. And the Riddler bludgeons him to death with a carpeting tool (laughs) and you see this happening on the screen and i'm like this is pretty fucked up (laughs) and i don't think i'm gonna have my son watch this movie anytime soon uh so i guess uh, basically i'm saying is this movie isn't exactly family friendly so i don't that that's a good thing uh for like parents to be aware of i think um yes the movie is pg-13 uh but it sure as hell felt like an R movie to me. And it it's very dark and it's very dark in different ways. And it's very dark all throughout the movie. You know, it's not just this opening scene. It's like all throughout. It's scary. It's violent. And yeah, it goes into some dark places. You know, what's interesting, though, is that, yeah, he gets bludgeoned to death. But it's not like he cut off Thanos's head. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. <laughs> But again, of course, it's the tone that they set, right? Like they made it scary. Like they, yeah. they wanted it to feel like yeah. a horror film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the way they they set up that opening scene too, um, it was almost like a rear window sort of thing where um, you can kind of see into their apartment and you see this family having having a nice moment. And then all of a sudden, boom, this guy is just getting beaten to death. <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah um interestingly enough yeah avengers endgame is another pg-13 movie and that you know that's been a bit of a litmus test for me because uh my son simon has seen all the marvel movies and hasn't really been freaked out uh, although interestingly you mentioned the thanos decapitation rainier that always has always kind of freaked simon out <laughs> But it's oh, one moment yeah. he'll look away and then he'll he'll resume. He's he's all good. Uh but yeah, with the Batman, whoa. Like, don't you guys think this movie 
felt more like an R movie than a PG thirteen movie. Yes. <laughs> I think pretty, it's kinda... it's pretty borderline. I mean, you can yeah. like you can you can argue that the Dark Knight was an R rated film. I mean, yeah, that had a tone too. That you know, there's. I mean, I don't know if I would let like my little kids like watch the Dark Knight. Like the Joker is pretty scary, you know. Yeah. Um, and like the scary level on the Batman, it certainly ticks up a, a, a number of notches. It, it also uses its one F bomb in the movie. Yeah, it had an F bomb. Oh, there's an F bomb. I don't yeah. know if I caught that. Where yeah. was that? Yeah, it was real beginning. early. Yeah, real early on. It was the commissioner said it? Um, something about like it was fucking Halloween or something <laughs> like Happy fucking Halloween. Oh, that's funny. It's a Batman yeah. when he's like investigating the murder. Oh, can we talk about the relationship between Batman and Commissioner? And uh, is he's Commissioner Gordon at that point, right? No, he's not. He's Captain uh, Captain Gordon. Captain Gordon, or it okay. might be Lieutenant Gordon. I don't Lieutenant. remember. Uh, he's listed in IMDb as Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Yeah. yeah. Man, talk about talk about great. Like that's the dynamic duo right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's get I into really it. Like Gordon. Me too. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was I a great that. casting choice. I listed that as one of my highlights right there. Lieutenant Gordon. Awesome. Awesome in this movie. Yeah, I thought like him and Batman had like great banter. They worked off each other really well. Like, no guns. That's your thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> so Got great. a lot of great dialogue. Um, I think Jeffrey Wright brought he bring something different to Gordon that we like didn't really get as much of. And I think like you really got to see their relationship like batman and gordon's relationship like up close in this movie well we got a lot of it in like the nolan trilogy it feels like it hasn't been like as close as it was here yeah we don't see a lot of like in the nolan trilogy we don't see a lot of like um i mean there's a couple scenes but we don't see much of batman and gordon you know, on the crime scene together with other cops, like surrounding, <laughs> like, what does that room feel like? You know, and here, here we get that. Yeah, that was an interesting dynamic. I, it's cool. It happened so early. So it kind of like sets the tone, but yeah, you got this feeling that uh, the police were like, they were, they were kind of weirded out by Batman and they all viewed him as, as Gordon's guy. Oh, this is Gordon's guy, you know? So that's just kind of a cool dynamic. And yeah, man, like Jeffrey Wright and Robert Pattinson had great chemistry. They're a great duo in this movie and um, great banter. Um, when they're on, on screen together, it's, it's like gold. They're, they're great in all their scenes together here. Yeah, for me, um, yeah, like uh, Gordon and Batman had really good chemistry. But for me, I think the who I liked the chemistry was um, Catwoman and Batman. I feel like Catwoman kind of like brought like some kind of like humanity to Batman. Uh, you know, like she, Batman was just always kind of speaking. I feel like either like in a like uh, place of like oh, well, your friend should have done that or, um, you know, like, don't do this or whatever. And Catwoman was like, well, you don't know, like, the struggle that people have to do. Kind of, like, taking him out of, like, his, like, little, like, Bruce Wayne privilege, upper class, like, 
like mindset and just being like you know this is the struggle people have to do and stuff and i don't know i just thought like kathleen's character just brought like some humanity to batman yeah let's talk about that catwoman played by zoe kravitz what are you guys take i definitely felt that like she channeled the year one like catwoman yeah she looks like, like she stepped right off tea. like right off the page right mm-hmm. yeah yeah she felt just like year one catwoman yeah she had the short haircut and like the apartment with all the cats around and everything Straight I, like the, I like the her look too, like the simplicity of the mask. It's basically just like, um, yeah, beanie with like the eyes cut out. Like how simple <laughs> right. is that? But it looks so great. Yeah, it's perfect for like a street level like cat burglar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does seem to imply that they're gonna kind of work their way up to more intricate costume. Maybe get the goggles going, the cat ears. But for now, it's yeah, it's just like a little ski mask, right? Yeah. Uh, All right. Any other call outs? I guess hey, let, the. Uh, oh yeah, go ahead, Christian. I guess the one character, the other like you know, Batman, big Batman character we haven't talked about yet is Penguin. Yes. Um. And I thought Colin Farrell like was barely recognizable in the Penguin role. He wasn't recognizable at all. Like <laughs> I couldn't tell yeah. that that was Colin Farrell. He channeled his like inner like gangster, you know, and brought that like classic gangster vibe to the Penguin. And I I thought like the scene, the car chase scene in the middle with Penguin, and like the scene after where they're interrogating him was great. Uh, I thought there was a lot of great banter in that scene after about how they're trying to discuss, like they think he's the rat, but he's like the red herring. And like, I love that. We also finally got to see the iceberg lounge. Yeah. And I like that. That was like a central location to the plot was penguins lair. It is interesting. The, the, the position that penguin is um, like, I thought he would have been in a bit more of a like power play position but he was really just like the, you know, he was just the owner of the lounge, right? Just mm-hmm. facilitating the bigger picture of like the Maroni and Falcons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of interesting to me. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit because to me, the Penguin is one of the villains, one of the super villains in Batman's Rogues Gallery, right? But in this movie, there really is no indication that he's a super villain in this movie. He's really like a, like a henchman, right? Maybe a glorified henchman, but ultimately he's just kind of Falcone's like right-hand man in a way. Right. Um, and I kept looking for like indications. I mean, it seems like they're going to build him up, right? He's got a, he's got a show coming up soon. Right. Where he'll probably like, rise in the ranks and whatnot. But, and yet I was like looking for some sort of indication that he has like, I don't know, potential to be a super villain uh, but they they really seemed to 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 stray from that like they just kept him as like this mob henchman um i don't know if that rubbed me the wrong way but like i i kind of feel like oh this guy this is the penguin you know like and th- there was nothing to me that that spoke like that said uh super villain 
I think that was a, thoughts there. I think that was a good move because then I think it would have taken away from the focus of like the because I mean you don't want you don't want to have too many you don't want to have yeah kitchen. you don't want to have Batman and Robin all over again where like Ivy Bane and and who else is like fighting for screen time to be like the main villain right mm-hmm. um, I think it it was just enough to introduce the character and see where his place is and mm-hmm. yeah we'll see him like rise to the ranks I'm sure in his series. But I think it was a good move not to take the focus away from the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I mean, we've seen what what's happened before when there are too many villains like crammed into a superhero movie, right? But I, I don't know. I feel like I just needed something like like a trick umbrella, or just something. Give me something. Right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if a yeah. trick umbrella. I, I think I that mean, would nothing too crazy. Fish? Nothing too crazy, but you know, I, think that but, would, I think that would have taken me out of the movie completely. Me, I needed something. I just needed something. All right. Um, that chase scene though with the penguin. I mean, come on. Dude, and how about how about that Batmobile? Let's talk about the Batmobile. Let's talk about the Batmobile because I thought it was fucking awesome. Holy I, lo- shit. I, I love how it was introduced as if it was its own character. I mean, they did that with um they did that with like Nolan's trilogy. And like the bat, even though Batmobile is just it's just such a big part of Batman. Like, how can yeah. it not have such a grand yeah. entrance? But like that yeah. slow hum into that loud, like eventual roar of like the engine, that was really cool. Yeah. That when the Batmobile first fired up, it it damn near like knocked me out of my seat. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. It was super loud and just rumbled. And um, and it had it had some vibes of like the '60s Adam West Batmobile, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and you know cool. what I you know what I liked about it too was that it wasn't like refined where it had like a bat symbol on it. You know what I mean? Like again, yeah. he's he's still trying to figure out what Batman is and where it fits in, and it's just like that is the vehicle that that fits that that mindset. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of fit in with the whole like unfinished aspect right this isn't like the final batman it's it's a work in progress same thing with the batmobile it just it didn't seem like a finished product it was like a project in the making very cool one thing i like from the batmobile chase was like the whole when he like flips the penguin's car and then you see like from like the penguin's perspective like the batman walking towards him like kind of like all slow motion and the music just kind of like makes it more intensified i was like getting goosebumps i was like this is like cinematic perfection right here like like with the batman walking like you hear his um boots kind of just hitting the pavement and everything i was like this is fucking awesome this is why yeah i i really like that like it's just the small details and then the way he entered the 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 bat cave on his uh on, on I don't know if they want to call it the bat cycle, but on like his 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 motorcycle. <laughs> like it was cool how he was uh there was like that maze through like the sewer system and uh it was he was able to access the bat cave through the city. I mean yeah, yeah, as opposed to having to drive all the way through to Wayne Manor and you know go under a waterfall or side of a hill or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, another pretty significant difference that again made the movie feel pretty fresh oh are we talking about alfred we haven't talked about alfred yet let's do it <laughs> what'd you think Rainier? uh i thought it was great like um 
it is interesting seeing him from uh from black panther now as alfred you know yeah <laughs> but it's cool like um and it was also interesting too like when you're in wayne manor um there was another there was another uh woman that was also in the household so that indicates that there is some like level of staff that's like in the house <laughs> right yeah um, but you know, it's only Alfred that knows what Bruce Wayne or what Batman is really doing. Uh, I thought that was interesting, but it's cool. Like he's helping him build the tech that Batman needs, you know, for, for all his utility. <laughs> he's not just there to like wipe dust and keep the cars gassed up, you know? Right. Yeah. Like going along with like kind of Re- Rainier saying, like, it was kind of cool, like kind of seeing like this Alfred kind of talked back to bruce wayne like every time like bruce wayne was kind of doing something he didn't agree he was just like oh so you don't want to do this kind of like a little sassy tone or whatever um i just felt like that was just kind of cool like there was just like that alfred was in like some like side character or whatever like he like kind of stood toe-to-toe with bruce wayne and wasn't afraid to like speak up against him or anything like that yeah i feel like you were seeing a uh like an alfred that's like like fully capable to like fight alongside batman if need be because yeah. a lot of the times that you see alfred on screen or like even in the animated series he's you know he's an he's an older guy with uh, a little more silver in the hair and you know he's the typical butler you would imagine in any sort of mm-hmm. storyline but like here you know alfred is he's almost like right alongside Batman. I think in the movie, they alluded to Alfred training the Batman to fight. Mm-hmm. Like he mentions that, Oh yeah, I trained you to fight, but I couldn't be your father. Um, and I don't know if that, like I I've seen that interpretation before. I think Batman earth one was the comic that I remember where Alfred teaches Batman how to be Batman or Bruce, how to be Batman. Whether that's he's the only mentor, I guess, you know, remains to be seen. But um, this Alfred was he was a little different, but he still felt like Alfred. Like, uh, I guess one, I guess, complaint, if you want to call it that about the movie, was that there wasn't enough Alfred. They could have used they used more. But I think Alfred, he was there for like a good amount of time. He sets the arc for where Bruce is and where he needs to be. And how he kind of echo he's the one who tells Bruce, like, I'm inviting these people here. You need to respect the legacy. And you see they don't have that, you know, very chummy relationship that you see in, like, Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. Whereas this one's much more confrontational. Mm-hmm. And you could see they, they have different odds. Even though Alfred does help, you know, Bruce on his quest. And how he figures out the Riddler's code... He's the one who like helps him along the way with all the clues, and then like you know, drops you know at the uh, towards the end, he kind of drops the fact that oh yeah this is what this is what happened to your father, and how Bruce thinks his father is was really a bad man from what he what he's heard about Coney, but Alfred comes and gives him context and like kind of brings brings him back to the belief that his father was truly a good person. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, Andy Serkis, and I don't know if it's in his master plan, but he certainly 
becoming like the king of geek movies because now he's been Alfred in DC. He's been Claw in Marvel. He's been Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He's been Caesar in Planet of the Apes. He's been King Kong. I mean, this guy's doing it all. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like he before he was like the motion cap actor, right? But um, now like he's just he's just a great actor, period, right? So he um, directed Venom too. That's right. <laughs> he's got a hand in all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Although probably uh, we shouldn't uh, give him too much praise for that one. <laughs> stick to acting andy (laughs) okay so um let's move on is there anything about this movie you didn't like so much any negatives thoughts there you know like i know you guys said this and you got i know you guys said like he has to be in there but i just didn't like that joker was in it again Talk like, about that, yeah. At the very like, end of the movie, there uh-huh. is a cameo in Arkham Asylum. Like, I understand, like, you know, there there can't be a Joker about Batman and not really a Batman about Joker, but I just felt like if they cut out Joker's cameo at the end, the story would have changed, and I feel like it would have been still the same. And because, um, I don't know, like, is this, like, the fourth Joker we've gotten in the past decade, right? Yeah. Well, how many Batmans have we had? Well, because <laughs> well, we have we've had Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and Joaquin Phoenix, right? Uh, so, um, yeah. So I just felt like you know, just Joker adding Joker into the mix was just completely unnecessary. That that's just my take. I agree with you, Perfurio. I think, like, for a three-hour movie, I think it, it did run a tad long, so I think that is probably the first scene I would have personally cut out is, is that Joker tease at the end. Because you're right, it's like we've gotten so many Joker, we just had a big movie about the Joker, like, a couple years ago, and, like, Jared Leto made his, you know, his, like, kind of swan song for the Joker at the end of Justice League last year. Oh, so it does right. feel like a bit too much, you know. That's a solid it, point. Oh yeah, go ahead, Rainier. I thought. I mean, I thought it was interesting that he was next door to the Riddler in uh, is it Arkham or Blackgate? I can't remember what prison it was. Uh, it might be Blackgate in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it. I don't think it hurt. I don't think it hurt having him in there. But again, I don't. It didn't totally like progress the story at all. I, if it was like a distasteful way of introducing introducing the Joker, <laughs> I thought I would. I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't have liked it. But I think they it did just fine. Um, I can't remember the back and forth that Riddler and Joker had, but like, I mean, I think they are letting you know that like, hey, there's there's going to be a bigger rogues gallery here. Um, buckle up your seatbelts. That's a solid point. You know, we talk about like fan service a lot and the inclusion of the Joker here was definitely a fan service move. No question. Um, But we've talked about before how uh, there's kind of a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And generally, it's safe if you're doing it as just a cameo. Right. It doesn't really affect the main story. It's just something that's thrown in there. A brief moment for the fans. Right. And I think that's exactly what this was it didn't affect the main story and it's just kind of a fun thing for fans to enjoy um so in that respect 
you know, there's no harm in it really. Um, but I totally get what you're saying, Christian and Perfurio. Like, um, yeah, we just saw the Joker in the Snyder Cut. We saw there's a whole movie about the Joker not that long ago. There was Suicide Squad. There was, you know, and um, and and I would add this also um, with uh, the Dark Knight and uh, the first. Uh, uh, Tim Burton Batman movie the main villain was the Joker and those are two very beloved movies right so um, that first Batman is a big time like nostalgic choice for a lot of folks Um, and the Dark Knight is like widely recognized as one of the greatest Batman movies ever so like here's a movie a lot of people really enjoyed the Batman and I think you know, the, the consensus was, you know, for almost the entire movie, it's like, oh, my God, they made a great Batman movie and we didn't even need we didn't even need the Joker in it. Right. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, the Joker is in this movie actually mixed that. So I thought it would have been cool if we just kept it 100 percent Joker free and just like and then it could stand alone. Right um there was even a reference to joker in batman begins right didn't they like have the playing card at the end so um they're just there's this like need to always include them and um I, yeah i just i i feel like that isn't necessary like let's 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 take a break from the joker for a bit you know i, I thought it was cool <laughs> <laughs> i thought like, the way they portrayed it was like pretty classy like i didn't think it was too in your face like they didn't have to they didn't i mean you just see his shadowy figure and it's just a short conversation between him and the riddler yeah yeah like i said it's, it's kind of a safe move to have it just be a cameo so like i think we talked about how either you do a cameo or you do a fully fleshed out character and then we talked a little bit how they they went wrong with that with the kingpin and the hawkeye series maybe that's a good example of how not to do it um, so I guess if you're going to do it, um, make it a, a safe play like this, or you do a fully fleshed out character. So not the worst thing, I suppose. But yeah, I think I'm with with Christian and Perfirio on this. I, I could have could have done without it personally. Anything else? Any other negatives? Hey, let's talk about uh, the runtime. Three hours. Um, I'll say straight up. I thought the movie was too long. It was just too long for me. Um, yeah like and maybe i'll get into another negative here just because the the follow-up is like well if it's too long what do you take out if it's all Mm -hmm. gold like you know why why mess with perfection just leave it as is um so you may have noticed i was a little quiet about during the catwoman conversation because i could have done without the catwoman in this movie Uh, we talked about the great chemistry between gordon and the Batman, um, I felt like there wasn't chemistry between Catwoman and, and Bruce Wayne here. Like they had a couple of, of kiss kissing scenes and it just, I, I wasn't feeling it. It's like, it didn't feel right to me. It did not feel right. I didn't feel like the actors had chemistry and prefer you mentioned how the Catwoman is like kind of a nice grounding character. Um, I felt like, well, may, maybe there's an aspect to that, but I felt like, uh gordon 
was the character who did that. Like he he was like the grounding force in the movie. He was like the character that we as the audience could relate to. And yeah, like I, I didn't I don't think I needed the Catwoman in this movie at all. So like I'm thinking that's what I would have taken out of the movie. Maybe get it down to a, a tighter two and a half hours and I, I'm golden. Um, but yeah, as it was, yeah, too long. That was too long. Like that was a big question going in. Uh, three hours. Is it too much? I did think it was too much. I, I thought it could have been shorter. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, well, I did really like Catwoman. I do think like if I would if I could improve something with her part of the movie, she has like two kind of major plot points in the movie. She's going after uh, she's looking for her friend, Annika, towards the beginning but kind of switches gears in the second half of the movie because, because uh, she drops the fact that Carmine Falcone's her father. Um, I think those two plot points could have been tightened up a little bit to like kind of flow a little better. Um, and that probably would have also reduced the runtime, maybe pick one of them. I don't know how exactly I would have done it. Um but uh, that's, I guess, I guess that's my like critique on what they've done with Catwoman here. And I, I will say this too: like, it's easy for me to say as the armchair critic, um, but like, just okay, just just write the character out of the movie and give it a shorter runtime. That's a very simplified answer because if you do that, you could ruin the movie. And like. Um, if a move like that uh, like takes away from this movie, which is for me, most of the way through amazing that um, don't do it. Um, but from my amateur perspective, uh, that's what I would have done if I could. And I can't. <laughs> I feel like, um, so like, my unpopular opinion on this, I think, like, you know, if I thought the rain time was okay, I felt like everything had to be in place for the storyline to develop and everything. But for me, I kind of lost interest in the movie once, like, the Riddler got caught. Then, like, once, like, this whole, like, um, like, he laid out his grand scheme and then like Robert Patterson like figures out like what did you do and then like the whole thing about like the ports being bombed and everything he how he has to go and save Gotham I felt like that went back towards like the campy side of Batman that we know like of like superheroes and stuff like at that point I was like I was like where is um the Justice League we need him to help save <laughs> Gotham and and all this because you know before then it just felt like a detective kind of thriller movie and then it was after Riddler got caught and everything it just kind of took me out of that aspect well uh i, I have a i have a answer to that uh like uh so like yeah once once the riddler is imprisoned i i kind of have similar thoughts like oh shit like he's already like put away that he's done already but 
his presence is still there, right? All his minions are dressed like the Riddler. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. he's even though he's not there at the end in body, but he, he's there in spirit, right? And his presence is is felt. And um I, I totally dug the the action finale. Like I, I did feel like uh before that moment the movie was a little bit lacking in action it's not really like an action movie like i've been saying it's more of a crime serial killer kind of movie um but yeah the, i could have used some more action but then they, they gave it to me at the end you get that that kind of classic superhero finish i, I felt i kind of needed that so I, I i liked the ending quite a bit i don't think the runtime was too long <laughs> if I would have found myself yawning at any point during the movie, then I would probably say that. But I never found myself yawning throughout that entire film. And therefore, it didn't feel like it was, it didn't feel like three hours to me. There you go. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure this is, uh, you know, kind of a divisive thing. I, I've, I've heard from some folks that uh, it's, it's a bit on the long side, but certainly some folks are completely Green fine. like give me the director's cut <laughs> three and a half hours oh, I mean, I see, we sat through about four hours of justice league and it was great <laughs> and i thought they did a great job with the batman it didn't feel like three hours uh-huh. and i'll take more again more bang, more movie for your butt right <laughs> but like if it was a crappy three hours and of course i'd be complaining but i i don't have i don't have a ton of complaints mm-hmm. cool yeah like my like i feel like i could have a you know a little bit quicker like i feel like they could have taken it but i still really like i was so engrossed during that three hours i was so like invested what was going on and i'd like i really do want to see this movie again once it comes out to streaming and blu-ray that like it's like oh they could have done it but like eh, i i really loved what we got so much i feel like what i'm saying feels more like a nitpick you know of like i guess but I love Batman. I got so much Batman. <laughs> I mean, I've certainly sat through movies that were an hour and a half that were totally crappy. <laughs> I mean, the runtime itself, like, again, if it's a good movie, it doesn't feel like it's that long. Yeah. And yeah. I thought Catwoman was awesome. I mean, I don't know how much more they could have cut down Catwoman. Um, like, it was cool seeing, like, that take of Catwoman, like, that perspective of Again, another, you know, more, more ground level, you know, Catwoman. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get that. And it's just, it's a subjective thing. Like to me, could have done without her. Um, but uh, for some, yeah, I know, I know a lot of people enjoyed her in this movie. Uh, but what, another thing I thought of was it was cool to see the Riddler. Like he's like maybe my favorite part of this whole movie. Um, but in addition to that, we really haven't seen a live action Riddler in a long time. And it's Jim Carrey, yeah. And, Jim Carrey. And the one we got before was Jim Carrey and talk about a completely different character. There's that, right? Um, with Joker, I mean, we've been seeing Joker a lot and we saw him very recently. And uh, the Catwoman too, you know? I mean, it's been 10 years, but you know, the very last solo Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises, had Catwoman in, in it. So, um, yeah, like I'm thinking kind of unnecessary in a way, like 
there's so many great characters in the Batman universe uh, that haven't seen the live action treatment, right? So um, why not give them a chance instead? I don't know. Just just my thoughts there. Who, who would you have liked to have seen just out of curiosity? Well, so I think number one is, is I mean, to me, it would have been cool if it was it was just the Batman and the Riddler, like uh, no Catwoman, no penguin, and no penguin. Well, well, maybe instead of the penguin, just have him be a henchman because I I keep going back to the thing about like the penguin to me is like a supervillain, and this was not a supervillain character in this movie. So um, yeah, maybe do that. The penguin. Um, I would be curious to get a female perspective on Catwoman because there's, you know, it's us four dudes talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. Like you, if you take Catwoman out of this movie, it is like a sausage fest basically. Right. So um, maybe from that perspective, it was, it was necessary. Um, but yeah, that's a good point right here. We're just a, we're just a bunch of dudes. So <laughs> what do we know about the Catwoman? <laughs> what the hell do we know? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, any other thoughts, positive or negative or just random? You know, I did hear this one. I did hear some criticism about how some people were not fans of how slow moving uh, Batman was in in a lot of scenes. Uh, a lot of the scenes, again, were like crime scene movements where he's just sort of like walking very slowly. And I think that was sort of the running joke that the reason why the movie was three hours is because Batman was walking so slow. <laughs> Did you guys take notice of that? It didn't, it didn't actually bother me, but then now that I thought, and then, then thinking about it, I was just like, yeah, he was moving slow. But then I think the answer to that is because, you know, that contact lens technology he's using, he's scanning the room. He's trying to get like, you know, facial recognition and he's trying to just get good video. Mm-hmm. For for me, it didn't bother me. I felt I think I read like an article saying that it was more of like a um, kind of like Western kind of aspect because like if you like pay listen to like those like when he's walking, like they really emphasize on like the boot sound to kind of give him like that Western cowboy kind of like don't fuck with me kind of attitude. Mm, I can see and, that. Yeah, so like especially like in the very beginning, like in that opening monologue when he's like. I I live in the shadows, like how he just steps out of it and stuff. It, I was, um, yeah, totally in the moment with that. Yeah, that, uh, I, I thought it fit the character because this mm-hmm. is not like a seasoned Batman, right? He's still in the early stages. So I think he's still kind of getting a feel for what the hell to do. So that might lend itself to maybe moving a, li- a little more slowly a little more calculated. Yeah, I thought it fit. One one scene that really caught my attention, which I think um, you're pointing to, Henry, was the action, was this one scene. I forgot where it was, but when he's, it's like a dark hallway and all like the villains have like their guns and they're ready to shoot the Batman and he just comes out and they're shooting and the only light you see is like the the rifles and stuff. And you see, you see, like Batman take him out, like one on one, and like for me, that gave me like goosebumps from like that one thing in Rogue One when like Darth Vader comes out, like you hear like his mask, and then all of a sudden you see the red lightsaber, like that came kind of gave me like 
that kind of vibe along with like the daredevil hallway kind of vibe i was like this is the action that i expect from batman and i was totally living in that moment i feel like i've seen countless comic panels where it's like just the just just the flash of like the 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 rifle muzzle right and Mm -hmm. there was a scene they, they had scenes like that in dark night rises as well but yeah those scenes are always cool to watch yeah yeah Mm-hmm. yeah i loved that scene with like the hallway i like the way that like he had like the bulletproof armor and he just walks through gunfire pretty much th- throughout most of the movie um i guess on that note one one bit of praise uh is i think the movie's just shot really really well um the cinematographer on this movie was greg frazier i think i said that right um but he was the uh cinematographer for dune um which was an amazing looking movie and he also did rogue one uh, (laughs) Ah. as well um and so he did that hallway that hallway fight scene with darth vader and so i thought the way like the way he was shot and the way they shot batman walking through the shadows with the really great sound design as well was um was like spectacular it was the way they like the way it was shot the way it was filmed it was such a mood and i loved how slow the movie was and and, like how it like you were like part of this mood and you just soaked in the atmosphere at all times of this movie the way it used the color red a lot the way it also used Mm -hmm. green as well Mm mm-hmm so yeah, ooh, getting goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> that is a good point. We alluded to it earlier, but this is a a beautiful looking movie. It's just like eye candy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's quite an experience. I'm glad we all got to experience it in the theaters. It's a lot a week later actually. So I was originally going to watch it with you guys, but uh, <laughs> it fell on my daughter's birthday <laughs> weekend, so that was tough. <laughs> Yeah, oh, no worries. As long as you got to good. eventually see it, you saw it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. Like, I was actively staying away from spoilers, but then as I started seeing, oh, certified fresh, I'm like, oh, great, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I mean, that was that was cool to see that, but see it anyway. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as we uh, like to talk about with DC stuff is is it connected you know with marvel studios we all know it's all connected but with dc it's uh, more complicated right so um the recent uh, peacemaker series is kind of further complicated things because um like up to that point like i i kind of got the feel that everyone everything is kind of its own thing with DC. Uh, but the Peacemaker series really kind of solidified this like shared universe thing. Um, and then we got the Batman, which doesn't appear to be connected with anything. Uh, so what are your guys' thoughts about the connectivity within DC and particularly with particularly with this movie, The Batman? Glad this is not connected to the rest of the DC <laughs> universe. Like this was phenomenal and a really good like 
cinematography attitude um visuals if they had to connect it i would love it to i would love to see a showdown between Robert Patterson's um, Batman and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Yeah, I I think we talked a little bit about that right after we all saw it, right? Um, I agree that would be amazing. Probably will never happen. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I'll be okay with that. Yeah, but in particular, in particular, like like both movies are great. Number one, and. both actors are great in those respective roles and they're kind of both like kind of uh, like at the same point in their careers, right? They're like earlier on, right? The Joaquin Phoenix Joker is like early days. Same thing with uh, this Batman, right? So wouldn't it be cool to see them clash right when they're like hitting their stride in their prime? Um, but yeah, it's probably just a pipe dream. Like this movie definitely feels like it's its own. Like, I think the original idea for this movie was supposed to be a Ben Affleck movie, um, with uh, Deathstroke, who we saw at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League, and we kind of see what the original lead in was going to be for this movie, but a lot of things happened, and Ben Affleck left. Robert Pattinson came on, but um, like I, I really like this. This movie's very much its own thing. I think this could be the branching off point for almost its own universe in a way. A very like Batman Gotham centric universe. We have a Penguin show supposedly in the works. I think that Catwoman could do her own spinoff. I I could see definitely see more of Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, um, and kind of she leaves at the end of the movie. Um, and like I think other characters you could uh could could work. Um as far as other superheroes, I don't know. Uh they would probably it would probably have to be ones that don't have any superpowers or maybe something like uh maybe something a little more like Swamp Thing than Superman, so to speak, you know. I think that that might be a bit better fit or like uh Green Arrow if they were gonna go that route. Even though we just had uh, the Stephen Amell Green Arrow, but that's that's my thought is that this could be a branching off point for the Batman franchise, interconnected franchise. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it certainly feels like this movie is not connected with anything that preceded it, but it certainly seems like it will be connected with. A number of things up ahead. We talked about the Penguin series upcoming and uh, a sequel to this movie. So uh, I was just kind of browsing the internet just now and uh, a producer on the movie, Dylan Clark, said pretty definitively, we can safely say the Batman 2 will be released between now and 2027 so there you have it um so i think the bottom line is there isn't anything connected to the batman yet but there will be so maybe it will be a a shared universe unto itself right uh so yeah 
stay tuned. Looks like there's more to come here. And yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like um, the fact that it doesn't appear to be connected in any way to what we've been, what we've been referring to as the DCEU, uh, you know, Justice League, Peacemaker, etc. Um, but it seems like probably at a minimum we're going to get a trilogy and like a penguin spin-off series like what are, what are our feelings there i'm i'm fine without a shared universe in dc i i feel like marvel and the mcu can keep that monopoly of having a shared universe and having everything connect <laughs> um i don't know it, it's that again there's that ripple effect of because the MCU movies were so successful. Now everyone's looking at every comic movie, like it's supposed to be connected. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I feel like it's awesome. Like it's awesome to have like those cameos and to have those, you know, those deep cut call outs, but it's just like, at some point, like, can it hinder like the storytelling that you can throw out there? I don't know. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's that expectation. And I feel like, it's I, I it's another refreshing thing to like have these standalone movies, which are totally fine. Tell a great story. That's cool. You have to have the Justice League in it. <laughs> you know, it does I don't know. I, I just don't want it to I don't want it to continue to be like in the shadow of the MCU. That's the thing that's really annoying for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. That is a good point. Like I think also that's what DC and Marvel generally just feel like in the comics, you know. Marvel's definitely known for having the the shared universe. You you get the Marvel single issues, um, and while DC does have that, DC's also it's almost like more known for like singular graphic novels that are kind of all their own thing. The Dark Knight Returns is not in the main continuity, and neither's Batman Year One. The Long Halloween is you know also not in the main continuity. Same thing with All-Star Superman and like the list kind of goes on the Earth One series, you know, that are like high selling great graphic novels, but they're kind of just all meant to be their own thing. So like it's also kind of how I'm seeing DC now. There's like there's there's like a main continuity, but Batman's its own movie. Joker's its own movie. And they don't need to connect They're their own thing. That's a good point, too. There is comics precedence to this there are standalone stories in comics yes this does happen right it's not all connected all the time um though devil's advocate do you think it'll feel weird when some of the dc universe is connected and some is not so for example it seems like they are going full steam ahead with connected with uh, Aquaman and Flash both getting solo movies later this year uh, they both appeared with the Justice League and the Peacemaker series um, it seems like they're going connected there so uh, already we saw like a bit of an absence there right because we saw Wonder Woman Superman Aquaman and the Flash and like Batman was almost like a glaring omission there Um would it feel weird with like the rest of the DCU universe kind of moving ahead and no Batman? He's just like absent. Uh, how do we feel about that? 
actually so glad I just finished Peacemaker because I would have gotten so mad if you would have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished it on Friday. Oh, so. Thank God. Ooh. A close one. How do I, I feel about <laughs> how do I feel about it? Some of it being connected. I mean, I don't know. That at that point it starts to draw the line of like, is it is it bad fan service? Is it good fan service? I don't know. Um, so, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I I think what you're getting at and I'm feeling is as long as it works, you know, <laughs> connected, not connected. If you're putting out good shit people aren't going to complain right all good right i mean if it's if it makes sense right if it's if it if it weaves into the storyline so that it tells a good story sure why not right but we've also seen with what the mcu did they took like movies that were out of continuity and brought it into continuity with the you know um no way home i mean what's to say they can't do that with dc right but again i don't know i feel like it's going to start following a (laughs) the the mcmarvel formula and it's going to be hard to like hit that bar because they, you know, they were, you know, they were first to market <laughs> and it's always going to be compared to no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is there's kind of an expectation now, right? It's like, well, they're doing a shared universe. Why can't, why can't everyone do that? Right. And uh, the reality of it is that it's really hard to pull that off. And um you might even ask, why would you want to copy that? Like, that's something someone else is doing. Why does everyone have to do that? Right. So there you have it. Well, uh, speaking of Marvel, um, I personally think it is pretty cool that we got a great Spider-Man movie. And then a mere few months later, a great Batman movie. <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit, because in this particular room, we have some tremendous Batman and Spider-Man fans. Uh, so look, we're living in a world where we're, we just got some awesome solo Spider-Man and solo Batman movies, right? Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I think we're pretty blessed. I think this is a great time to be alive. Um, yeah, how, how do we feel that about that one-two punch? And we just saw Spider-Man No Way Home a few months ago, and then we're getting the Batman. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Let's talk about it. What are your thoughts? It's great. This is like when the you know the Marvel DC rivalry it's at its best. You know, it's great to see both like the heaviest hitters of Marvel and DC Spider-Man and Batman put out like, you know, arguably their best movies yet. Like so close to each other. Like it just, it feels very satisfying as like a comic book fan. I feel like super superhero movies have come a long way. Like they're being critically acclaimed, like, you know, big stars and directors are now doing these movies and it's the expectation that like every summer or holiday blockbuster is going to be a superhero film. I, I, I feel like we're certainly spoiled. That's for sure. To the point where we can complain about a trailer and then they'll change the trailer. (laughs) Yeah. 
like the golden age of like superhero movies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it is kind of simplifying matters a bit, but it's almost like if you can't make a great Spider-Man movie, then Marvel, you have failed. (laughs) And the same goes with Batman. Like if you can't hit it out of the park with Batman, like fuck all the other stuff. I'm again, again, I'm oversimplifying, but you know, a few years back, um, like what was the best stuff? Like the stuff that was creating the most buzz, right? The Avengers and on the DC side, like Wonder Woman, right? Great. That's awesome. People were loving it. Um, But uh, you could argue during those periods, there were definitely times where Spider-Man was kind of on the decline. Like, look, look at the year uh, 2012. We had the Avengers movie and we had a uh, lukewarmly received amazing Spider-Man movie. Right. So Spider-Man stock was low. The Avengers stock was high. Um, oh, and, and, and a Luke Warm received a Batman movie that same year. Oh, right. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, cut to a few years later, later, everyone's talking about Wonder Woman and everyone's shitting on uh, the Zack Snyder movies where Batman is is, is prominent. Right. Um, so I didn't think about it so much then, but uh, it's a little weird. Right. Where like the best stuff from these major comic franchises are, are are kind of the you know the, the less popular characters so it's almost like a return to glory in a way right um the best characters are are, are killing it right so i don't know i in a way it's like oh you can really feel good about it because uh uh they're, they're doing they're doing right by by the fans And again, it's oversimplifying. I'm 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 not here to shit on lesser known characters, um, and uh, we we need we need the lesser known characters. That's that's uh, that's great. You know, I want to see more of it. But right now, at this very moment, it's got to feel good, right? It's got to feel good that we have an awesome Spidey movie, an awesome Batman movie, and uh, yeah. And if there is a rivalry, hey, we can we can feel good about both sides because shit, these movies rocked, man. All right, let's get into ratings. On a one, if the Batman, who wants to start? Um, I'll start. Uh, so, uh. I mean, I did love this movie, um, as I've said before. I think this is kind of the Batman movie I, I never knew I always wanted. Um, the way it shot, the style, the the aesthetic, the like the way the characters are done, and like the gritty noir detective aspect of it that they really hammered home was just amazing. Um, I can't say enough praise about this movie, and I can't wait to see it again. I'm definitely going to like buy it day one on Blu-ray. So I'll give it the full five out of five for me. Um, I can go next. So highly, highly enjoy this movie um, in a lot of ways. 
exceeded expectation. Um, I think I'm going to go with a four out of five, though, just because of uh, the shortcomings I did mention. I did think it was too long and uh, wasn't a big fan of the Catwoman character here. So four out of four out of five for me. How about you, Perfirio? Yeah, so, you know, uh, this is actually my first Batman movie I've seen in theaters. All the other Batman movies I've just seen on DVD. And that was an experience watching on IMAX. And I was, um, it felt really good. Uh, like the music, the visuals, the acting, I thought were all great. Um, I would probably give this a five out of five. I think I had like, expectations going to the movie that I thought it was going to be good but I just came out being like wow like kind of like mine exploded like it went higher and above what I would have ever thought a Batman or or even superhero film can do and just because you don't see that kind of stuff with the MCU and so um yeah I recommend this even if like this like your first time going to watch a Batman movie, um, it's a really good place to start, five out of five. Cool. And just to clarify, uh, your first solo Batman movie in theaters or just first Batman movie in theaters, period? Solo. Yes, okay. solo. Okay. Because you, you did see uh, Batman v Superman in theaters, correct? I did. Yeah, yeah. I did see BBS in theaters. And, and we saw Justice League together, and no one else is in the theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. How about you, Rainier? What's your rating? One with a five out of five. Um, I mean, it's a fresh take. Um, you know, it's a new start for Batman, uh, a different time frame for him. Um, and uh, I'm really excited for the potential that the franchise has for like the sequel or a threequel. <laughs> Hope that happens. But yeah, uh, really enjoyed it. Five out of five. Awesome. And that's a good point too. It's pretty tantalizing about what might be to come, you know, exciting. It's definitely exciting. And, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the, uh, um, Mr. Poo Poo here uh, with my four out of five. Uh, you guys know I'm like notorious stickler. I, I rarely give fives. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a, a definitely high praise, you know, by bow down to this movie. I had at the time of my life watching this movie. It was, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's a, it's an experience for sure. And um, you know, one thing uh, we hinted at earlier, but didn't follow up on is the comparison, right? So a lot of people are t are talking about this movie as being one of the best, if not the best, Batman movie ever. And a lot of conversation going around right now is what's better, the Batman or Dark Knight? Um, maybe we can talk about that a little bit to, to wrap up on. Do we have thoughts there? Do we think this is a, a conversation worth having even? Um, what do you guys think? That's a you tough know, comparison. 
That's a tough comparison. Just because like the Dark Knight like follows Batman Begins, so there's already a level of progression, and we've seen some amount of maturity from the characters. And this is like the first Batman film. Sorry, before you, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say like I, I don't feel like I'm in a place to compare the two because, like I said, this is like I I'm not a big like DC person, so I had not seen Dark Knight in so long. Or even the other Batman films, like with Michael Keaton. So I feel like I have nothing to compare it to. So I I can't compare it. Yeah, I really can't compare it. To me, they they're like different chapters of Batman's life. Like there's the Nolan chapter. Now this is this is the new chapter. I think what's like hard to compare. I did I did rewatch the Dark Knight because I was like thinking this question so much. I had to rewatch the movie again. Um, and like, it's interesting to see how far superhero movies have come since the dark Knight. because back in 2008, 2007, when the dark Knight came out, there was nothing like that movie. I think it was so fresh. It was so like intense to see such a, a, a crime thriller done in the way of Batman. And, but that was before I was pretty much, I think that was around the same time Iron Man one came out, the start of the MCU before we really saw what the MCU could do. And we saw all these superhero movies have come out and all these different takes. It was before Logan. It was before, you know, the Avengers Endgame, before Deadpool. And so now, now we're here and you see the way, the Batman has built off the Dark Knight, how they follow similar themes, how there's a similar take on the Riddler to what they did with the Joker. And, and like it builds on it. It adds, it adds more, it brings back more atmosphere and more action. And like, it's hard for me to, and while I was definitely in high school and I saw the Dark Knight and that movie rocked my world at the time, it's it is does kind of make that comparison harder because seeing it now I'm in a much very different place in my life, um, and 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 so like I'm not sure if I would place it as number one or number two. Part of me still wants to believe the Dark Knight is the greatest superhero movie of all time because that's what I thought initially. But I will say like even if like I. I may, you know, think the Dark Knight is better. Um, I think this movie is the definitive Batman experience. I think this movie just oozes the atmosphere of Gotham and just oozes Batman. That was a good love letter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk about that too much, but uh, yeah, everything about this movie feels like Batman. Like I said before, it doesn't it doesn't feel like previous Batman movies, but the mood of it it just invokes Batman, right? It invokes Gotham and you know, um yeah, if you put if you put past Batman movie baggage aside, you you do get that that Batman feel. That's great. Um and the for, to me the the Dark Knight comparison yeah, I, I mean I mean, I'm probably the wrong person to ask this particular question. Um, I personally prefer the Batman. Um, but the reason I say I'm the wrong person to ask is it, I wasn't 
the hugest fan of of the dark knight like i actually like the dark knight rises more than dark knight um and i uh yeah i'm in i think i'm in the minority there um but uh yeah no to me to me i mean i thought a little bit about just like the whole scope of it and and yeah that that first uh michael keaton batman is like a nostalgic favorite so like it doesn't matter what comes out later that'll always be like my like um nostalgic favorite um but um like to me it's more of like dark knight rises or the batman and i'm not so sure about that uh that's maybe a tie to me right now um but i will say that it is pretty awesome that we got a batman movie that we're even talking about as being uh possibly the best ever so again i didn't didn't know you like dark knight rises over the dark knight (laughs) i do i i you know like it, when I saw it, I was like, this is fucking awesome, man. This is better than the last one. And then um, and then, like, I just kept hearing, like, uh, uh, the, the general consensus and general consensus was like, not only is the Dark Knight the best Batman movie ever, but it's possibly the greatest superhero movie ever, period. Right. And I'm like, what did I see the same movie as everyone? And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That Dark Knight Rises, I just Bane in that movie is so fucking cool. I just love Bane in that. And uh, I think as as an action movie, I think maybe as an action movie, it's the best of the trilogy, right? It has like the most fights and stuff. So I think what I really appreciate about the Nolan trilogy is that it's a definitive beginning, middle, and end because it does end in a way where it's just like, well, what if Batman's just done? You know? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of superhero movies are not there. I think they're scared to do that because they want to keep these franchises going. And yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think we're going to see a lot of that happening. Um, mm. And every one of Nolan's movies was like its own standalone movie. Like it had a beginning and an end and you tie them, the three movies together and it still works the same way. Um, yeah. 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 That's a good point. And maybe speaks to why I liked Dark Knight Rises so much because yeah it had a definitive end it doesn't have a cliffhanger it just ends you know it's it's cool that way all right with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from Rainier Christian Porfirio and Henry <laughs>